0: I'm Liam Black, and this is a series of podcasts on the social entrepreneurs A to Z. And in this podcast, we're looking at E is for Evidence. And I'm joined by two great people. Catherine Danton is the Director of Research and Policy at Unlimited, which is a UK-based foundation which supports thousands of social entrepreneurs since its founding 12 years ago, gives them grants to set up and helps with their development and, uh, and supports them. Uh, she describes herself as a data geek, and uh, she's done some lots of interesting stuff in her career, including being the head of evaluation at the Prince's Trust, which is a big charity in the UK that uh, supports disadvantaged young people, which was set up by the Prince of Wales. So, Catherine, welcome. Thank you. And uh, on my right-hand side is Jeremy Nichols, uh, who is the CEO of Social Value UK and Social Value International, previously the SROI Network. Uh, or Jeremy Two Jobs, as I'm going to call him from now on. He is very well known as a bit of a guru of impact assessment and social return on investment and social value. He sits on the board of the FRC Group in Liverpool, which is uh, a social enterprise that I was involved with years ago. Uh, and uh, this is the most exciting thing that he does. He's on the assurance panel for the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. That sounds exciting. It is. Is it, is it really good? <laughs> I've known Jeremy for probably nearly twenty years now, and um, that's that's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So you're both really, really welcome. So we're going to we're going to talk about uh, E is for Evidence, and in the book, in that chapter, Jeremy, I quote two people directly. One is the late Christopher Hitchens, who said, "What can be asserted without evidence." can be dismissed without evidence. And I quote you, when we were discussing this chapter and I was talking to you about it, you said, Liam, have you ever heard of a social enterprise CEO being fired for failing to hit his or her social goals? And when I thought about that, I thought, actually, I haven't actually. So what was behind that question? Do you believe that it's just not high enough priority in
1: the social entrepreneur movement? It's a challenge of accountability. In the end. If you think about a business employs the best CEO they can find, the board set stretch targets with them, the investors want to know they're doing well. If they're not doing well enough, they get somebody else. For the social impact, return or whatever you want to call it, the people who are supposed to actually benefit from that have no ability to hold that organization to account for what they're doing. So the board are not encouraged to push back against their CEO team and management team to kind of say, Well, what could we do? They're not asking the question. Are we creating as much value as we can with the resources we have? Consequently, there's no kind of pressure in there for the CEO to be under challenge for not achieving those targets. It's not really the CEO's fault, if you want. It's a bigger accountability problem in the whole world of impact measurement.
0: So... um Uh, I talk about in the book, I talk about uh, the Furniture Resource Centre, FRC group in Liverpool, where I spent many, many happy years. And with Alison Ball, you know, a good friend of ours, who was my right hand woman when I was there. You know, we started getting social reporting and social auditing and all of that going. And it's brilliant to see it being done so well with you uh, sort of leading that there from uh, from the board. What do you think the learning is from FRC with 10 years of this? Mm. Uh, behind them that you could offer
1: to social entrepreneurs and social enterprise leaders listening to this? Yeah. I mean, we've had 10 years of reporting. We always have had our accounts audited and they've gone on the website and someone comes in and checks them. And we've won awards for that, as you know, and that's all been great. I think what our learning recently has been is that actually we haven't had enough of an internal conversation at the board and management team about how can we make better choices. And so it's been an external facing a bit. And we've had you know, information at board level, which has been a bit in the past, a little bit too many metrics, too complicated, difficult to actually use. And so we've been for a process of aligning our social reporting with the financial reporting so that we have a budget for social value and a budget for financial value so that the board are able to spend more time on the question of, are we on target for our social value? I think many boards Inevitably, spend a lot of time on the question of their finances. Are we on target on our finances? Mm. What should we do about the budget? Can we help here? And oh, are we doing good things? Is a little bit secondary. Um, not that it's not important, but it just falls down. So, so I think what, would you, what would your advice be to start people listen, listening to this? Do something internally. You know, get that conversation going around the board, which says, "What could we do that could create more value with the resources we have? How would we have a discussion about that in a in a meaningful way?" That's just good enough for that, that conversation between management and board. I think that's where it's easier to start to yeah. have a challenge before, and I think that's where you can actually get quite a lot of value. Um, and I think we came to that a little bit later. I wouldn't say we'd never done it, but we've really raised the bar on that, I think.
0: And it, it is claimed by some people that if you're able to demonstrate your social value, if you, if you do that stuff really well, it will be good for the business, that you'll win more work, the company will grow, you'll be more profitable.
1: Is that FRC's experience? Yeah, I mean, like any small business or relatively small business, FRCs had difficult times. And I think that would be true for any organization, whether you're reporting well and understanding, managing your social value or not. But I think we would definitely say that we've been able to win work, win arguments with customers, enhance our service offering by virtue of the conversations and the way we've thought about it. Um, so that has definitely helped commercially, but it's equally helped us think about how we support the people that are who, who are coming through on training, who we hope will get jobs and think about how we can do that bit more effectively, as well as win the work. So definitely.
0: Okay. So Catherine, you know, we've been, t- t- been talking to Jeremy there about FRC, a 25 year old uh, social enterprise, you know, been in, had great years, bad years, mediocre years, has kept there, has kept going. What do you say to startup, the many, many startup social entrepreneurs that you guys work with, when when do you start thinking about your accountability, assessing the impact that you're having? When, when's the right time to do that?
2: Obviously, straight away. Um, but I think the key to success is keeping it simple at that stage. You have to um, be really clear about what are you trying to achieve and there are actually quite simple and effective ways of capturing that information just as part and parcel of your your, uh, delivery. Um, It doesn't need to be complicated Um, and actually I think often some of the pitfalls that people fall into is trying to apply a very, very intellectually sound um, model to what they're trying to achieve but actually it doesn't help them make decisions and I think that... There's a massive accountability question here, absolutely, but accountability is worth nothing if you're not collecting information to allow you to learn, to allow you to manage your your social enterprise, your social venture. What's the point, to my mind, of collecting information that's not going to help you make better decisions?
0: So... I'm hoping that there are lots of social entrepreneurs out there all over the world listening to us ramble on here. Um, And uh, I'm really keen on giving them some really good advice based upon our uh, experience of what they should be thinking about, what they should be doing in order to really put at the heart of their enterprises um, around evidence, around impact, around accountability.
1: You know, it starts soon. You'll hear a lot of people saying, oh, you should wait you know, it's expensive and difficult, you should wait until you establish. No, you should ask this question right at the beginning. And if you do nothing more than the same kind of things as a business does when it's talking to, it's doing some customer research, asking its customers what they want, you should ask your beneficiaries what happened if you're in a kind of, you know, aiming at groups of people like that. that. So if you're, I don't know,
0: you're working with disadvantaged young people, even if you're working with half a dozen of them, Start with those half a dozen. Yeah, Yeah. ask
1: them, you know, what are you coming here for? What happened to you as a result of this? Was it what you wanted? Was something else happening? Was it all good? Just a series of, you know, listening to your customer, even though they're not paying you. Um, That's, I think, the number one. And from that, as you get bigger, you'll start wanting to collect some of those stories and quantify them and put some systems in to build that up and make choices, and it will go. If you wait, you know, you think for some of the existing organisations who are quite established, it's quite hard for them to change management systems and start thinking about this they've got stuff in place. And that, you know, if you start early, it'll be a lot easier.
0: Okay. What's your advice be, Catherine?
2: Um,
0: start Not early, back. start <laughs> <simply>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you take the best one. Start early, I'm yeah. going God, back to another God one for you, so get ready so.
2: <laughs> um I think some of the most important conversations around your board table will be about what's our most important metric because you can talk and random ran, ramble on um for well, days not, us, <laughs> not not me <laughs> sorry um you can talk for days about what are we here for what's it all about what what do we want to do what's uh, what do we want to 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 create um and you can think that you all agree but if you have a conversation about what's the most important measure that we can put in place um then Suddenly you can uncover differences of opinion about what you're here for um, and actually have quite an important debate, um, which will not only obviously help you find out what that metric is, but it will also help you focus as an organisation, give clarity to your staff who are delivering, about what's most important, um, and also test your own understanding of you know, what where is the most value going to lie? What can you do? What's the most important thing that your organisation can do here? How does that compare to others? Where are you adding value?
0: I think that's a really interesting point about if you don't ask those questions right at the beginning, you can sort of drift along and assume everyone sitting around the table is... In alignment, and we were all having the same uh, sort of impact I remember when I was at, uh, at 15, in the first um, few months I was there, I just spoke to everybody, and it was pretty amazing the misalignment that <laughs> there was. you know are, are we fundamentally a chef apprenticeship program, and we will judge ourselves on the number of young people who graduate and go on to become chefs, or are we a youth empowerment project? that has a kitchen and some chefs, and if they don't become chefs, it doesn't really matter. And it was only when we yeah. externalised all that and started talking about that that you realised,
1: yeah. oh, hang on, We're, we are actually not on the same page. Yeah, it's a good example. And I think, Jamie, if you ask those more open questions, you might actually realise you have to change your objectives, which is one of the dangers with a lot of approaches which go, what do we want to achieve? Let's test that. It doesn't leave you open to really thinking about, actually, that's the wrong thing to even aiming for. We should be in some other space.
0: Um, anything else? Any third bit of advice we'd give to social entrepreneurs who are listening?
1: I think um, we're human beings, but optimists. And uh, we have a huge optimism bias. And you were kind of, I think, talking to that, that we think we've got a chain of events, or we've got a theory of change, or we've got this linear way of thinking. Human beings make that work. We'll get to result, and we will find a narrative that explains how what we did reached there. We will con ourselves, effectively, not because we're corrupt or anything, but because we're optimistic. And I think we need to put something in place to stop that. So even at the beginning, when you're coming out with, look out the great things we did, get a peer group, get somebody else to push back at you, get somebody to go, do you know what, really? It wasn't quite, was it? And you can take that to more formal levels, but I think if you're creating a story about good things, you will create a story about good things, you know? Yeah. So some kind of pushback
0: really early on. I think that's uh, absolutely bang on. So when uh, at... Uh... 15, when we were did the social report there, we got someone external to do it, and I gave him an Access All Areas Pass, um, and he wrote, and I said, I'll publish whatever you write, as long as it's not defamatory. And it was a lot of it was really, really difficult to hear. Mm. And he didn't buy the, you know, Jamie's a god, <laughs> Liam is brilliant, aren't we all fantastic? Didn't and, he? No, he didn't. <laughs> funny that. But it was really... it was Some of it was difficult to hear, but it was... It was the truth. The truth is more likely to come out, isn't it, than if someone external with no emotional or financial investment in us is being honest. Yeah,
1: and I think that I remember reading about that because it was a great openness, and it's brave to do that to say to someone, you know. And I think the organisations are willing to have that kind of assurance process, or someone coming in and checking who's got the ability to say whatever they find is not common. Because no, it's scary at times to do that. But that's where I think we need to go. Yeah.
2: Um, I suppose the thing that I would say is if you've got to a stage in your organisation when you're collecting information and you're learning information from that and you see a shocker in there, um, sometimes it can be soul-destroying and it can make you think, oh, my God, we failed. And it can actually be quite a soul-destroying thing for the people who are in charge of of that, and actually, the truth is that that's not the purpose of information. The purpose of information is the conversation behind that metric. Why did it happen? Um, comparing uh, different um, areas, if you're running a number of different areas, or you have different staff who are different supporting uh, different sets of people, being able to compare and contrast within the information will be able to allow mm. you to learn. Much, much more interesting things about the reason for that shocker mm. than just looking at the shocker and going "What?" Mm.
1: But it's hard, and isn't it? It's really hard, it's and I think it's, got...
2: it's from the culture of accountability because this, this, um, this culture of measurement came from the culture of accountability that we've got into that that um, psyche that we should be absolutely distraught if we see that big, big, mm. whatever it might be. Yeah. But the truth is. Information is a tool. It enables you...
1: It's still quite depressing, isn't it? I remember working for an organisation that helped businesses start and it became apparent that most of the businesses would have started without their intervention. And this was a group of people who, that's why they got out of bed. You know, they were. that's what they were achieving. Yeah. When this information comes in, that's pretty soul-destroying. Now, you're right that we can then use that, and they did in the end, to go, well, we should do something different or we should be more targeted. But for a while, people who've been doing something that they think is really contributing are confronted with some evidence that wasn't really making that much difference, that's tough. So th-
0: th- I'm really fascinated by this <laughs> thing about how honest you can be uh, internally and externally and that what what that means for the business. So when we first started doing uh, impact assessment, social auditing, whatever you want to call it, being honest about what we were doing in Liverpool um, in the late 90s, I remember we put in our first public report that uh, and we beat ourselves up about this right that we weren't a diverse group as we thought we should be right and I think we had just a, you know we haven't got as many black people in the organization as we should have the black population of Liverpool is x and we had x minus and it was okay and we agonized about it and we had a um a program to to, to reach out to to those groups our competitor Uh, who had spotted what the business we were doing, had set up to compete with us directly without all the social nonsense, Mm. um, would take our social report and show it to uh, procurement officers and local authorities and say, you don't want to buy from this lot because, look, in their social report, they're actually admitting Mm -hmm. that they are failing on their um, diversity. So how honest should we be?
2: I think we should, should. we have pretended? I think you should. Yeah, I think you did the right thing. I think you did the right thing. I think it's really important to stick by your values and the integrity. We're not just here to do our own piece of work. We're actually here to try and change the system. If there's bad behavior like that, call it out. You know, that that's the way to challenge it. If we constantly want to hide information, it's not just us who's not learning. It's It's society. So, yeah, I think you did the right thing. Well,
1: I think something certainly more honest in your board because that's a, a kind of a more friendly tension within that. At least it should be a supportive debate. Mm. Um, I, I agree there's been a risk in thinking about if you go public when there's not a level playing field and other people aren't doing it, yes. that, that information can be used against you. And so we have tended on to be careful about that. But that said, you know, FLC may have lost some work at the time, but FRC is still there. Yeah. And it's interesting, I asked that question, um, of, the, of Sean, only a couple of days ago. Sean being the Sean current being the CEO, CEO, of CEO of FRC. Are there examples of where, because we're being so transparent, our competitors are using that information against us? We said no.
0: Okay, so uh, can I thank my guests, uh, Catherine and Jeremy, very much for a really uh, stimulating uh, uh, discussion. If anyone that is listening to just wants to get in touch with their points of view, please do that. Uh, and I hope you enjoy uh, our future podcasts and the book.
2: You've been listening to a podcast from the series The Social Entrepreneurs A to Z, hosted by Liam Black and produced by Pioneers Post. To order your copy of the book and for more information, visit pioneerspost.com or subscribe on iTunes.